What's up? What's up? What's up? Good people. Listen, welcome back to our TNL series. Get out your feelings. Listen, we are in week five. Can you believe it? The time is flying by. Not only are we in week five of our get out your feelings series, we are less than 90 days away from the end of the year. Send help. Right. This is this is crazy. The year has flown by. Um, we've had some some highs and some lows, some good days and some bad days, but God has still been absolutely faithful. So um, I pray that uh, that this series, again, has just been a blessing and enriching and valuable to your life and also to to your journey. The last few weeks, we've been dealing with some 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 really emotional topics that we all feel, that we all go through, that we all kind of sense um, at different points in our lives, topics like resentment, uh, loneliness, hurt. And even last week, we dealt with the feeling of indifference. And that's really where we left off um, is how undealt with loneliness turns our, our hearts cold, turns us uh, to to a point of emotional indifference, and indifference is when we we stop caring, we we're 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 content and choose to stay stuck in our loneliness and 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 feel altogether apathetic. And so today we're going to look though at how Jesus gives us this invitation to a deeper intimacy with the divine even on some of our most loneliest days. If ever you felt lonely, if ever you have felt isolated, if ever you have felt misunderstood or not seen or not heard, that no one really seems to get it or understand, I, I believe that tonight's message is for you. Again, this is week week five of, of our Get Out of Your Feelings series. So if you haven't had a chance yet, if this is your first time catching a fresh fire Bible study, TNL, um, I want to encourage you to go back, go back and just kind of catch up on the last couple of weeks. So it'll all kind of, what kind of makes sense. We're telling a story here and uh, we're in chapter five, which is week five of the story. So again, God bless you. I'm glad that you're here. I, uh, I'm one of them people though. I, uh, I grew up in church and I would hear this saying as a kid, you know, oh, I'm a, I'm a friend of God. God is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Um, all of those kind of biblical references. But 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 more than that, hear me tonight. Jesus also is your best friend. Jesus is your best friend. Yeah, go go best friend. That's my best friend. Go best friend. That's my best friend. If y'all know that song, but Jesus. Jesus really is is your best friend. He is the one that you can count on when no one else is there. He's the one that never really leaves you, never ditches you, never turns his back on you, doesn't really kind of forsake you, um, doesn't kind of abandon you, doesn't just kind of leave you out there all by yourself. And also the beautiful thing about Jesus is Jesus is never fake. Jesus is never fake with us, won't just tell us what we want to hear, um, but Jesus will always and is always there to give us the honest truth. Jesus is the shoulder that we're able to cry on. Jesus is the one that is caring, that is kind. We don't have to hold anything back when it comes to Jesus being the friend that we need Jesus to be um, because he's everything that we need and want. And, and, and a best friend. And so I know, I know if you're anything like me, you probably like low key kind of side eyeing like, okay, this whole, this whole Jesus being, being a BFF, what, what is this all, what is this really all about? How can, how can a guy that feels so far at times, um, you're going to sit on this TNL tonight and sit up in my face and tell me though, that he is so near. 
That is exactly what I'm telling you tonight, that even in moments when it feels and seems like Jesus is distant, um, Jesus is actually close. I want us, I want us to, to draw from that well tonight and, um, and dig a little bit deeper as we talk about just the feelings of, of loneliness sometimes where we're going through throughout the world, going throughout life, and we feel that no one gets us, no one understands, no one's hearing us. But but again, tonight, Jesus is your best friend. So tonight's lesson really is um, is titled An Invitation to, in, to Intimacy an invitation to intimacy, um, to get beyond that veil of, of, of an intimate relationship. Um, there's, there's some work that really, that has to be done on, on, on both, on both parts. Yes. Jesus is your best friend. And like most of our relationships though, like most of our friendships, um, it begins with intimacy. And I'm not talking about, you know, some sort of sexual romance, but no intimacy starts before that and goes far beyond just some 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 sexual some sexual intercourse intimacy is getting to know a person um you know most of us were intimate um with our parents you know they know us deeply we're intimate with our children they know what triggers us we know what even sets them off and and so what what what, what real intimacy is is when you allow a person to get to know you and you get to know them in return and so hear me tonight because Jesus is longing for intimacy with us. That is one of the one of the desires that the, that the divine yearns for is intimacy with us as believers. And what intimacy really looks like, it occurs when we live our lives uh, in a way that's vulnerable, when we live our lives in a way that's truthful and honest and transparent. The short end of intimacy is like I'm, I'm, you getting the real me. I'm, I'm giving you the real deal, the real real, and I'm expecting that in return. That's intimacy where I'm able to be real and vulnerable and honest and 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 naked, um, in all of my stuff before you and without any judgment, and get that same in return. Intimacy requires you to be open and honest and and surrender the stuff that you even kind of hold dear. That's what it's intimacy is. You you probably ain't walking around your job with your coworkers being intimate. You're probably not walking around with your neighbors being intimate. But there are are, are a few folks in your life that you've you've let that you've let that guard down where you've let them you've let them um, into that wall that you've built up to keep you protected from the world. But but intimacy allows people even beyond that, right? It, it, even even beyond that, when we the difference though here here's the difference between um just a friendship and 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 an intimate friendship because uh, just a, a regular friendship that's it's real surfacey, right? You know, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. You know, you blessed. Yeah, I'm blessed. You you doing all right? Yeah, girl, just out here just grinding, trying to get to the bag, trying to live, trying to you know just trying to make a dollar dollar make you holler. That's real surfacey, real surfacey. Um, you know, that's a that's a friendship. You know, we we just we catching up. Let's go grab, let's go grab some coffee, let's go shopping, let's go, you know, let's go here, let's go catch this. Um, where you're where you're in this cycle of just hanging out. That's that's a friendship. And these these relationships, though, that are surfacey are 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 important and they even make us feel comfortable. Um, and to some degree, they even fill a little bit of a loneliness void in our lives, right? 
but but true intimacy is so much so much deeper than that beyond beyond the surface level friendships is is real intimacy intimacy and intimate friends they're in it for the long haul they they know the stuff that other people don't know they know the stuff that you ain't shared with nobody else they know the stuff that other folks aren't privy to they in fact they know they know the real you they know the real you you don't need to prove anything to people that know you intimately because because they already understand you they already understand you. You can be your most authentic self, your most broken self, your most awkward self, your most dramatic self, your most extra self, your most messy self, yet they will still love you. That's what intimacy is and intimacy. And so um, initiating intimate friendships can be, can be really intimidating. It can be really scary at first because you don't know if you can trust that person, right? But once you've made yourself known to that person and you that person has made themselves and their motives known to you and you let your guard down before them, I've got some folks that I love dearly. Um, and it, it took some time to get there where I'm like, man, I do, I would do anything for them because um they they know the real me and accept me for who I am and likewise, right? Um, but you'll 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 begin to learn as you as you begin to cultivate and develop intimate relationships, how incredibly life-giving, hear me, how incredibly life-giving those relationships are and how Jesus always intended to be in an intimate relationship with us. So the same way that we've gotten closer to people and we begin trusting them in a, in a, in a deep, authentic, sincere way, Jesus wants that same level of closeness from us, that same level of intimacy he desires even from us. So tonight, real quick, before we go any further, have you have you have you let God into just the intimate places of your heart? Have you have you let God into the places in you that you really don't want anyone else to see the the broken pieces of your heart, um, the intimate stuff where you not just you ain't just talking to Jesus on the surface level. You you ain't just acknowledging God just on Sunday, but I'm talking about where you where you go deep, where nothing is hidden from him, where you you you're willing to show God the shameful stuff, the parts of you, the the embarrassing moments of you um, where you no longer feel like you've got anything to prove um, because you know that Jesus loves you just for who you are and for where you are. There's a scripture tonight that I want to point out um, about, about how God shows up. The Bible says in this text that I'm going to share in just a moment, how the angel of the Lord shows up um, in one of the most lowest, loneliest moments for this individual and it allows for this life-changing relationship, all because this individual was willing to be open and intimate with God. The scripture tonight, uh, our focal scripture tonight is Genesis chapter 16. And um, it's one of those scriptures that we've always read, we've always maybe have even kind of glanced over, but I wanna really put um, some focus tonight, particularly in verses one through three, and then we're gonna kind of work through there. Um, but it's this moment now in Genesis chapter 16, where three characters are being uh, are being kind of described here. Um, there is Sarah, Sarah, um, Abram, Abraham, and then a woman named Hagar. So these are the three characters, um, Sarah, Abraham, and Hagar. And the way that the Bible shares this story with us, the way that scripture outlines this for us in Genesis chapter 16, 
is that Sarah was a barren woman and Sarah's married to Abraham and um, they've been married for a while. They love each other, but they're unable to have children. They're unable to have children. And Sarah actually has this slave girl named Hagar, this Egypt, this Egyptian girl. Um, that is, she works for, for Sarah. She, she's owned by, by Sarah. And um, one day Sarah takes Abraham and she, she sits Abraham down and she tells Abraham, Abraham, I'm not able to have kids. Um, and so what I want you to do is I want you to go and have um, sexual relations. I want you to go and have sex with Hagar and I want you to get her pregnant. Um, and that way we can raise our family through her. They're holding on to this promise now, Sarah and Abraham, that God promised them that they would be fruitful and would multiply, but but they're up in age and it isn't looking like, um, like God is really going to do just what God promised. So Sarah then takes matters into her own hands because she can't seem to have children um, and uh, she tells Abraham to go and have sex with 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 Hagar and conceive a, a child. And and Abraham, you know, just just you know, just being who he is, the uh, you know the type of man that he is. Abraham goes and uh, does exactly what Sarah has instructed him to do. Uh, he goes and uh, he has sex with this slave girl named named Hagar. And um, as as the story continues to go on. Um, we then learned that that isn't the wisest decision at all. That's not the wisest decision at all. Um, in fact, it was so unwise that the relationship between Sarah and Hagar had begun to change. Hagar began kind of feeling herself now because she could do what Sarah couldn't do. And Sarah was feeling some type of way because Hagar could do what Sarah could not do. So there's now this tension now between Sarah and Hagar. And um, and uh, this this wasn't a good decision now for Abraham to go and be and have sex, sexual relations with with Hagar. And this happens, though, all because um, Sarah now is not trusting God and she's growing rather impatient. And the promise that God made to her. So she takes matters into her own hands and um, she no longer is, is carrying or living with what God had commanded her. She now made her own command. She now commands Abraham to go do um, what she instructed him to do. And he goes and, and tells it. Just a quick side note before we get a little bit deeper into this thing, because I wish I wish we really I wish the Bible would, would have really begun just to unpack um, Hagar's response to all of this mess. Okay. Um, all of this, all of this, all of this that's going on. I'm sure, I'm sure it was just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of a mess that now, um, Abraham, um, has to act as, as this husband to this woman that's now becoming a mom. Right. We we never get this narrative. We never see kind of how this made Hagar feel now being um being uh being in this 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 palace with these two individuals with this dynamic that's going on. So now we fast forward again just to verses uh um four through ten, where in fact now Hagar has become pregnant. And when the, she learns that she's pregnant, she starts mistreating Sarah. This creates some tension, creates some tension for the both of them. And um, Hagar decides now that um, she's going to leave. She don't like how Sarah's treating her. She don't like what she's getting. And uh, Hagar decides now that she's going to be on the run. In fact, Genesis chapter 16, verse 6 um, says now that uh, Abraham then said to Sarah, yo, go go check your mistress. She She's out of control 
I know I had sex with her, but 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 you own her. Go 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 get that together. So Sarah goes and she's real hard on Hagar, and Hagar decides to run away. Here's where the story gets good, and here's where we are tonight with the invitation of intimacy. I just wanted to set that up for you for us just to spend our last few moments together here so that this will make sense. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 16, verse 7, that Hagar ran away. She ran away from her, her owner. She ran away now from the man that had impregnated her, all because of just the tension and toxicity that was going on now with this trio, which never should have happened to begin with. Hagar runs away. She runs out into the to the desert. And the Bible says that uh, the angel of the Lord meets her there. The angel of the Lord found her out in the middle of the desert and asks her what it is that she's doing out in the desert. And Hagar responds that she's running away from her mistress, running away from from her mistress. And turns out, though, um, Hagar follows through with the plan all the way up to becoming pregnant, right? Um, and much like most of us, this was a poor choice. Poor choice, poor decision to agree to this foolishness um, all up under the same roof and expect there not to be some fallout and some drama and all of some other just hoopla going on. And of course, it didn't turn out well for either one of these women. They they begin having serious beef with, with each other the moment that Hagar, in fact, becomes pregnant. Hagar becomes jealous and bitter and regretful that this has happened to the point that she's now mistre mistreating Hagar. And Hagar feeling like, hey, she's that girl because, listen, she did what Sarah couldn't do. Um, and so what Hagar decides to do, though, when it became uncomfortable, is Hagar decides to leave out of her despair, out of her out of her displeasing treatment from Sarah. She decided to run away from this household that had now become so toxic and abusive for her. But here, here's the key tonight because it's it's so very interesting because it's in Hagar's worst moment. It's in her lowest moment. It's in her most vulnerable moment now that the Lord shows up and begins to minister and speak and comfort Hagar. Genesis chapter 16, verse 7 says that, that the angel of the Lord found her. And I love that tonight when we're talking about an invitation to intimacy because the Lord found her. He, he, he sought her out. He went and found her. He searched for her. He recovered her in her loneliest, lowest day when she had no one else around her because she ran away. She has no one around her, no one else to turn to, and there's no one else there to immediately care for her. I'm telling you tonight that that's what a friend will do. Jesus is a friend. That's that's what a friend will do. A friend will show up when no one else is coming. A friend will show up and will find you and not just show up and find you, but will come and sit with you. Can you just imagine how Hagar must have felt when the Lord found her, how embarrassed she must be, how afraid she must feel now when the Lord appears to her? She's pregnant by a man that she's not married to. The shame of, 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 of carrying all of this. I, I, I can even picture Hagar even tempted to, to cover her belly um, so that the Lord, the angel of the Lord doesn't see that she's pregnant. She, she, she's vulnerable now. She's, she's exposed. Here it is though that the Lord finds her and what was her messiest moment. He finds her and what was her most raw and exposed moment, the most realest, lowest, vulnerable moment of her life is the moment that the Lord 
finds her. And it's at this vulnerable moment of her life that she spends this moment with Jesus. In moments of loneliness, in moments of vulnerability, and moments of you being exposed, and moments of you being raw, and moments of that are just messy and miserable, are those moments that you're willing to spend with Jesus? Have you have you ever had an encounter like that with the Lord where, where you've become fully vulnerable, fully transparent, because you've been fully, fully exposed? And uh, what's, what's so crazy about this moment is this is actually the first time in biblical history that we see an angel of the Lord appearing in the Bible. First, we had Noah, but the angel of the Lord didn't appear to Noah, didn't appear to Abraham, but this angel of the Lord appears to Hagar in this moment where she's single, where she's pregnant, where she's run away to this servant girl in the middle of the desert, and she's lonely because the Lord knew that she needed him because this was her loneliest and lowest moment in life. This, this isn't a coincidence. In fact, this is the Lord being intentional. This is the Lord being, being intentional. I want you to know tonight that God, God cares. Maybe you've been indifferent, not feeling anything. You've been living with hopelessness. Maybe you've been like Hagar, where you're the one that got yourself stuck in a mess and now you're feeling isolated and lonely. I want you to know tonight that God will show up for you in your loneliest and lowest moment, but you have to be willing to let him into the mess. The Bible says now that the Lord challenged Hagar to go back um, and and submit now to the authority, but he promised that he would protect her. And not only would he protect her, but he also promised a great inheritance to her if she would be obedient. It's during this moment of intimacy with God that Hagar got to know God as she allowed God to get to know her. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 16, verse 3, that this slave girl, once she had this encounter with the Lord in the middle of the desert, in her moment of isolation and mess and loneliness, she saw God for who God truly was, and God saw her. In Genesis 16, verse 13, it says now that this slave girl now, she says to the Lord um, that you are the God who sees me because she says to herself, I've really seen a God who saw all of me. It's Hagar who gives the Lord the name Elroy, which means God sees me. I want you to know tonight that on your loneliest days, when you have no one else to talk to, on your loneliest, isolating, messiest moments that you have found yourself in, God sees you. And not only does God see you, but God is there to talk to you. God is there to find you and never leave you. I started tonight talking about Jesus being that BFF, and I meant that, that Jesus is the friend that, that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is the one that sees you when you're up. Jesus is the one that sees you when you're down. But not only does Jesus just see you, but Jesus is the one that will sit with you, will sit with you in your loneliness, will sit with you in whatever feelings that you've been feeling. But maybe tonight, the challenge and the call is for you to let him in. The Bible says that Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Maybe it's time to stop ignoring the desires of your heart. Maybe it's time to stop ignoring the knock at the door 
and be vulnerable with God and let God in. God is the one you don't got to put on the show. You don't got to act like everything is okay. You don't have to pretend that you're fine. Would you let God in? It's time to stop filling the void with staying busy. Time to stop filling the void with these surface level relationships. But maybe like Hagar, it's time to find you a place in your loneliness where you can be intimate with God. I don't know what that may look like for you. But I do know that if you're willing to be intimate with God, even in your lowest, loneliest moments, you'll find so much peace. You'll find so much healing. You'll find so much promise and purpose in your loneliness when you're intimate with God in your feelings. When you let him into the cracks and the crevices of your heart and your feelings, that is where you'll find God because you'll see God like Hagar saw, saw God. Tonight, when you let God speak new life to you, when you let God speak a new identity, a new aura, a new way of being, a new way of operating, and I promise, the same promise that he made to Hagar, that listen, the work must continue, Hagar. You, you gotta go back and fulfill what it is now that you've been implanted and impregnated with to live out and fulfill. But I promise that as you do that, I'm going to take care of you. I promise to love you. I promise to protect you. That's a that's a friend, ain't it? That's a that's a friend. He's he's building something beautiful, even in the midst of your feelings. He's going to be that friend that'll stick with you forever, but only only as you let him in. Tonight we've we've went a little bit deeper into the emotion of loneliness. And as we've gone deeper, I hope that you realize how real and true that emotion of loneliness really is. Hear me tonight. You're not crazy. You're not going out of your mind fulfilling how you feel. It's not made up. You're not going insane. And it ain't just you. What you're feeling is a real feeling but I promise that you don't have to feel it and you aren't feeling it alone. Think about David's loneliness. As David spent years in the wilderness trying to escape King Saul that wanted to kill him. And out of everything that he had gone through, everything that he had, the fame, the wealth, the wives, the money, one of the most popular people, David still dealt with the emotion of loneliness. And hear me tonight, he felt lonely because there's nothing that can substitute true intimacy for God. David, who had it all, still had moments of, of loneliness. And we hear those moments of David's loneliness in the Psalms because out of everything that David had, David still was able to say, but you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. It was David that said with all of his success and all of his victories that David still declared that, God, I need your rod and your staff to comfort and protect me. Understand that even in the most highest places, you may still find yourself lonely. And even in the most lowest places, God will meet you at the highest mountain, but God will also meet you in the loneliest, lowest valley. 
Last, last biblical story that comes to mind. I want to share this with you. It comes from Mark 5. It is the story of the woman that suffered years with the issue of blood. Can you imagine how lonely she must have felt being isolated from her community, spending all the money and resources that she had, tried to get well, but people didn't want to deal with her because of her illness, because of her sickness, not being able to go out in public. And if she did, everyone knew what her issue was because she was unclean. So she stays to herself, isolated and lonely for 12 long years. But this woman was so desperate to get free from her loneliness, to be healed from her loneliness, that she found the courage to crawl to the feet of Jesus just to sneakily and secretly touch the bottom of his coat. The Bible says in Mark chapter five that this woman knew that she was healed. She came and bowed down at the feet of Jesus, shaking with fear. She was fearful, but she came. She came to Jesus. She she was afraid, but she came. She she couldn't walk, but but she came because she understood that her freedom was in getting close and intimate with the one true Savior. Tonight, God is calling you to intimacy with Him where you don't just pray when you're blessing your food. You don't, you don't just pray and praise on Sunday, but, but this intimate relationship where God knows the deepest parts of you, not just because God already knows, but because you're willing to be vulnerable and transparent. There's no, there's no sin. There's no shame. There's no embarrassment. There's no death. There's no desert that is deep enough shameful enough that you can't find God and let God in. Hagar did. In the middle of her loneliness, her shame and embarrassment, she found God and she let God in. It wasn't pretty and it wasn't all put together. In fact, it was messy, it was broken, and I'm sure it was extremely humbling. But out of her loneliness, she was no longer lonely. She said, because the Lord sees me. Will you let God see you in this season? And the best way to let God see you is by responding to the invitation that Jesus gives every day when you get brand new mercy and brand new grace and another day to rise with breath in your body. God wants to break that cycle and the feeling of loneliness. But you got to let him and you got to let him in. Let tonight be your invitation to intimacy that you don't treat Jesus as you do every other surface relationship in your life. For God has already given you so much more and wants to know you so much more. We're out of time tonight, but it's my prayer that you will accept Christ's invitation to a deeper level of intimacy. Not where you just know of him, but you know him. Oh, when he knows you, the things of your heart, the things of your mind, the things of your soul, let him see it.
because he is Elroy, the God that sees. I love you. Next week, we're going to be um, delving into the emotion and the feeling of sadness. Stick around. Stay tuned. Come on back next week. The rest of the week, I'll be nothing but light, light, and love and set some stuff on fire. That's what you got to do. Set it on fire. I love you. I'm going to see you next time.